Good morning, church. One more minute. It's still morning. Great to see you. A number of us just returned from a great week in Orlando, Florida. We are part of a larger group of ministries and churches known as Every Nation. And that is really what we believe. Every nation in our generation, our goal is to be on every college campus and to have a church, a vibrant church in every nation on the globe. Believe that's possible? We do. And we had our staff and leaders conference down there this past week, tremendous moment. Pastor Brett leads the North American arm of our every nation world. Pastor Rob and Tiffany were there and they led worship. We exported our entire children's ministry down there and it was amazing. It was just great. You're part of a healthy family. That's a good thing. Some of you will go to see your extended family around the 4th of July and you will look around and say, oh no. Oh no. These are my peeps. My blood flows My DNA, oh my goodness, these are very special people. But dang, they're weird. But it's wonderful to be part of spiritual family. Amen? Amen. While I was there, the Lord spoke something to me, and, and it's very interesting how often God will give me the title of something but not tell me what it's about. So I have to go and I have to unpack that a little bit. But he, he said to me, that many of you are in a unique season of one or, uh, or maybe all three of rewriting, rewiring, or rerouting. And I've, been, and I've called this message this morning three R's. Some of you have experienced divine interruption in your life. And if not an interruption, you have experienced a pretty serious pause. You just, you sense that. And the reason for that, I believe, is that God in his grace is interrupting the normal course of things in order to do one of these three things for us. Rewriting, rewiring, or rerouting. Ephesians, the fourth chapter, verses 22 through 24, says this. You were taught with regard to your former way of life, To put off your old self, which is becoming corrupted by his deceitful desires. To be made new in the attitude of your minds. And to put on the new self. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What a great passage of scripture. It's one of those that you need weeks just to unpack. But we see a two-part process here. First of all... You have to take off something in order to put something else on. It's like having just just raggedy clothes on and you open this closet door and there are all of these tailored clothes. They fit you, your perfect colors, your favorite fabric. And that's what the old self and the new self is. And God says here that you need to take off your old self. There's an active process of doing that. And likewise, there's an active process of putting on the new self. But part of that process involves being made new in the attitude of your minds. We'll get to that again in just a moment. Created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Doesn't say that you would be God. It says to be like God in these two areas, righteousness 
and holiness. You know, at any given time, there are three narratives that are being written about your life. There's the one being written by God, has already, always been written. There's one being written by the devil, and there's one that you've written. Three narratives. God, the enemy, the devil, and yours. Now, we know that God has good plans for our life. We may not know any other verses in the Old Testament, but we know Jeremiah 29. We got that one. Because there's, 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 a, there's a happiness in it. I know the what? I have for you, says the Lord, plans for hope and a future. They're good plans. We love that. It's great. And God does indeed have good plans for our life. Why? Because he's a good and perfect father. We know from Matthew that because he is good and perfect, he's only capable of doing what? Giving us good gifts. Therefore, he has written something about our life, and it's good. It's good. You know, you're either going to believe that what I just said is true, or you're going to live your life fearful and paranoid. What I'm speaking of is, is the sovereignty of God. Is that there's nothing that happens around your life that God has not always known about. God's plans. And then they're the enemy's plans for your life. John 10, 10, the enemy comes only to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy. Wow. You guys know your Bible. He's programmed to do these things and he goes out and he's got research assistants that he sends out to find out stuff about your life. He interviews people. He does a Google search. He hits all your social media. He pulls your credit. He pulls your criminal record. He interviews all of your friends. All those folks from high school you've been trying to get away from. <laughs> you see, the devil, unlike God, he isn't omniscient. God knows all. But the devil has to pick up information that's available to be gotten. And so what the devil does, he sends out research assistants. He has all of this data about your life, and then he begins to write something about your life and how it's going to turn out. Now, we know that everything that the devil says and the devil writes is a what? It is a lie because lies are his native language. It's how he writes his prose about you. They are lies. Thank God that God's got a different story. He overwrites that which the devil is writing about you. But there's a third. You and I have a pretty extensive set of plans for our life. Oh, we really do. Say, oh, no, 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 no. I just want God's will. Hold the phone. <laughs> no, really? I mean, we really do, if you get real honest, we've got some plans that we really want God to stand. Well, okay, I want him to look like Denzel. And if you had Denzel's money, that would be okay as well. And we don't just want transportation. We would like to have transportation. I'd like to have a five and a seven. Oh, they're Bible numbers. It's okay. 
And we have a salary. We have a life. We kind of set out some plans for our life. And they don't involve things like discomfort, pain, even suffering. We don't, we don't write those in the plan. And we have a set of plans that we sort of hold Hold up to God and say, would you stamp your seal of approval on these? Would you, would you breathe the breath of your spirit on my plans and ignite them? And we say, but, and God, they're good plans. I mean, there's some Bible here. I mean, I'm not planning for sin. I mean, these are good things. And here's the challenge. Is that there's a principle of the kingdom called exchange. In much of our Western Christianity, it's all about more. It's about addition and multiplication. But it's rarely about subtraction. And yet one of the most important kingdom principles that we need to understand is that God most often wants to take something from us in order to give us back something better. Hand us something temporal for something eternal. We hand him our sin. He hands us back his righteousness. It's an amazing thing. But likewise, what we really want is God to endorse our plans rather than God saying, hand them over. Let, 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 me, let me have your plans so that I can in turn give you mine. Now that's difficult because we like ours quite a bit. The only problem with our plans is they won't work. They were crafted at Disney somewhere. <laughs> Mickey and Minnie and, you know, whatever else we've seen and, you know, sort of Little Mermaid and, and uh, I'm kind of in an Orlando mode right now, but, you know, whatever, you know, whatever we've kind of grabbed and crafted from out there of what we think the perfect life looks like. And we, again, we want God to come stamp his seal of approval on it. How many of you know it just doesn't work that way plans we need to find out what are those plans God has written about our life but then God not only overwrites and rewrites our plans he does the same thing with our person exactly the same thing God is continually rewriting he's changing us even to the point of a change of name I love parents and how they name their children. I have three grandchildren. I have no idea why my kids chose their names. It's bizarre. What's his name going to be? Ethan. Huh? Now, Ethan's a good name. But with no family, no, no folk in the family named Ethan. Where'd that come from? Now, I got an Owen. I love my grand. Owen? Owen? Really? And then get the granddaughter, Ada. Ada, you got to be kidding. <laughs> now, they all have family middle names, and, that, and that's fine, but you wonder sometimes, and then you see parents name their children for what they hope they'll be. You ever seen parents name their children? Bible names. Obadiah, Yeshua, Elijah, Elisha. You know, these long Bible names that hopefully they'll see something in their character. And, and this is before they're born or right after they're born. And the folk, and the nurse comes in and says, you got to name this kid or we're not going to turn you out of here. <laughs> well, we're still talking about it. Keep talking, but you're leaving in 24 hours. He needs a name put on the birth certificate. 
And you see parents and they try to, they try to project something on who they desire their children to be. Don't name your child Obadiah. He will get beat up on the playground. That's not a good name. And yet God, as God comes and changes our person, often he changes our name. We see this throughout scripture. Abram, father, exalted father to what? Abraham, father of many. Sarai, princess to Sarah, princess of many. Jacob, supplanter, Israel, he who prevails. Jesus, renaming the apostles. You will be Peter, little rock off the big rock rock of revelation of who I am. Paul, formerly known as Saul, changes our name. Many of us have reunions coming up, class reunions. I have my 40th this year. 40th is cool because it is what it is by now. You know, on the 10th, you rented a car. You you with me? Because we were not going to show up in the same busted hoopie we were driving in college. Are are you with me? So we we all rented cars for the 10th, so we kind of could look good. You know, you with me? We went out and we know we rented a suit of clothes. I mean, what? But by the 40th, it's just like you know what? Waistlines are already blown out. The hair is gone. Just don't care anymore. This is who I am. I'll never see you people again. Probably we'll be reading about each other in the obituaries from here on out. Don't matter. So 40th is going to be fun. It's going to be all right. But part of the reason we want to stay away from those those class reunions are the names. Those little family names, those little names you got in school that it's just like, I really don't want those following me into my adulthood. And God renames us, does he not? He overwrites, gives us a new name. But he also does this. He changes our brain. He overwrites some things. Neurologists have discovered that everything that's in your brain is there for recall. Every memory, everything you've seen, everything you've heard, read, viewed, it's all there. That's an amazing phenomenon to me. Now, it may not be available for voluntary recall. My dad's 85. He's recalling things now that may not have ever happened. Or maybe he's part of his brain is getting touched that that memory never came out. But I get new information. I get a lot of Groundhog Day too, you know, the same same stories. But I get some new ones every now and then. But neurologists said if they can if they can stimulate a part of your brain that everything that's there can come back. It's, it's there for recall, which means that there's no erasure of a memory. But they have proven you can overwrite a memory with a stronger memory. Now, that's an important concept right there for you and I. Is that many times we are asking God to take something away when God says, what I want to do, I want to overwrite a new history. I want to overwrite a new memory on top of that pain, that situation, that incident that happened to you. I want to insert myself into that place. He overwrites, he changes our history. Don't you love that? You realize only God is capable of doing that? 
rewriting. You see, it's not how we start or where we start, but it's how and where we end. And the end of this thing is guaranteed by the cross. Amen? Rewriting. Secondly, it's rewiring. Rewiring. Romans 12, 2, very much like the passage we read out of Ephesians, talks about the mind. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the what? The renewing or the rewiring of your mind. Have you ever looked at your 17-year-old and just thought, you don't think right? As a matter of fact, you don't think at all. You are an alien. Aliens have sucked your brain out and replaced them with pure hormones. You know, God will many times do the very same thing with us. He just says, you don't think right. And the reality is, the old man doesn't think right. You know why? Because the old man is, is only thinking about how to satisfy, satisfy sinful desires. We don't think right. Our, our thinking is at enmity with God until God comes in and says, you need a rewire. You need to be rewired in your thinking. And God often has to take something out before he can put something else in. As I've already mentioned, you know, we, we, in Western Christianity, we're always looking for more and more and add and add, like sort of the, the caricature of the, the dear lady leaving the mall at Christmas time, just, just loaded down with packages. And we think this is what the blessed Christian life is like. And God is saying, no, 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 no. We got to take that thinking out. We got to get that thought out of there. You see, God has designed us for something, and that's power. Power. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. His divine power, watch this, has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him. I've done extensive study of the Greek, of the word everything. And you know what it means? Everything. It means that there's nothing on this life, nothing we will experience that escapes his divine power flowing through our life. He has divinely equipped us for every moment, every situation. Back in the 60s and up through about the mid-70s, cost of copper got very, very expensive. Now, copper is used in the wiring of your home. It's a very expensive thing. You go to construction sites. We, as we've been building next door, we've had to be very careful to lock everything down because copper is still very expensive. It's a major expense in building. And builders began to look around in the 60s and early 70s and say, there's got to be something we can do here. And so they substituted aluminum wiring for copper wiring. Sounds like a great idea. It's cheaper, lighter. It's only one problem. Houses started burning down. But the issue they discovered was not the length of the wire itself. It's where the wires connected. In that the aluminum, when they, wired the, when they, when they connected the wire to, say, a switch or to a receptacle, most of the time the connectors were of different metals. So you had aluminum most of the time meeting brass. 
And what happened is that where there was a connection, there was corrosion and oxidation, and that's where the fires occur. Do you realize in your life and my life is that it's where the old meets the new. It's where the difference of a divine God meets human flesh that all of a sudden the incompatibility of the two metals, it causes corrosion. And the flow of power that God intends from his very throne through your life, somehow in that connection, that's where the power gets interrupted right there. It's what happens. The connections fail. Ephesians 1 talks about this power. Paul's praying, I pray that the eyes of your heart, interesting language, by the way, the eyes of your heart might be enlightened to know something. The power, once again, and it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Saints, hear me. You need more power in your life for tomorrow than you needed yesterday. Whether you know it or not, and that's not trying to project something difficult on your life. It's just a fact of life. Children don't need a whole lot of power, do they? Think about it. They got mom and dad. They're putting food on the table. They're putting clean laundry in the drawer. They're providing everything that they need. Children don't need a lot of faith. They don't need a lot of power because they're in a place, in a moment of their life where they're not needing faith for lunch. And yet for you and I, for those things that are coming, yes, on the earth, our need for an, an increased flow of power in our life is very real. And the issue is never God. The issue is always, can God get out of us? That's the question. And for that to happen, we need to be rewired. You see, as we need a greater flow of power, and this is, this is a known fact, is that the wire has to get bigger. You know, I love what God is doing here at Grace. I really do. It's amazing. I mean, I came here a few years ago, a dozen years ago now, and the church was not quite like this. Great people here, but not quite as many. We moved to this property. Now we're building a building. What were a few hundred people that, that called us home? Now there are a few thousand it's amazing. Great worship team. We've got a pastor that's smart enough not to eat notes like I do. Please don't laugh at that. That makes me insecure. <laughs> we tell people we love what we have. We've got the whole spotted and speckled thing going on of different kinds of folks coming together and doing life together. It's amazing. And yet, and if I look at who we are and I look at the 7 million people in our greater metropolitan area, there's a coin that God is terming, that, that, that he's, he's, he's forging in my life. It's called grateful discontent. I'm so grateful for this. But most of those 7 million people statistically are going to hell. And guess what? I've got to get bigger. I've got to get bigger than just the cares and concerns of just what's seated here. Likewise, for you and for me, it's not just about you and I getting ours, our family getting healed and getting blessed. It is about what happens out there. Are you with me? And for you and I, we've got to get rewired for a new flow of power in our life. And the last one is rerouting. 
rerouting. You know, we don't like to be rerouted. Let's just, let's just get real. Rerouting, rerouting, rerouting. Most of the time it's a female voice. Rerouting, rerouting. And we just want to, shut up. I'm a Christian. Please shut up. <laughs> want to be nice about it. And all of the time we see, I mean, whether it's traffic or construction or an accident and all the things of life, and all of a sudden we thought we were going to start here, we were going to follow this path, get to where we were going in a given period of time, and all of a sudden stuff happens and we get what? We get rerouted. Moving to D.C. Said so you'll either be 30 minutes late or 30 minutes early for everything. How true that is. You never know, do you? 66, it's like a reptile. You never know whether it's going to be friendly or bite you. You just don't know. And yet, when you came into this family of God, God, God got you here by rerouting you. Did he not? Some obstacle, some circumstance, some crisis in your life that you were headed in a path of destruction and God put something there that said, whoops, and he got your attention so that you could respond. Rerouting. Acts 16, we see a story of this. Paul and his companions going to preach this gospel in a part of the world where it had previously not been preached. We find it says that the spirit of Jesus, the, in one case, in another, another setting, it says the Holy Spirit prohibited them from going in. That's where Paul had his Macedonian, that had his vision, the man from Macedonia saying, come over here and preach this gospel. Talk about divine rerouting and interruption. And we're saying, but they were, they were going to do a good thing. Yes but not the route God wanted them to take. We know one of the places that they got stopped from going in was Bithynia. But yet we know that some years later, Peter, we see it in one of the salutations of one of his two letters, greeting the church to the Christians at Bithynia. The gospel got there. But in this particular case, by way of Macedonia, the gospel came to the western Western Europe, the western part of the world. God had a plan for how he wanted this to go. And yet, none of us, I have in my notes few, but I'm just going to just go ahead and make it bigger. None of us have gotten to where we are in the time frame or on the route that we originally chose. Come on. I didn't start out to do this. It's not how I was trained. Trust me. Most of us have gotten divinely rerouted. Look at, the, look at the person you're married to. Now, be careful how you do this. <laughs> and you look and you just say, huh? A few weeks ago, my wife and I celebrated our, let me get the number right, our 37th. That's a moment. You should be applauding her for that. And yet, it was not like what we thought. She was 20, I was 21. We were both in music school, which basically means you set yourself up for 
you know, a career in fast food, which is what that means. Had no idea the twists and the turns and the rerouting that would happen over the years. A dozen or so years ago, God said, I want you to leave. I want you to leave North Carolina and come to D.C. where they will laugh and scoff at your accent. Hear you speak and subtract 20 IQ points to a place that doesn't understand that God intended tea to be sweetened. It is not a question to be asked at the table by a wait person. They should know better, but not here. They don't understand important concepts like grits, hush puppies, don't understand. A place where lunch was so celebrated that they pulled a fire alarm in the middle of the day so everybody could go and overeat. Here, people, lunch, lunch is for sissies. Let's go out and get another Starbucks. And do seven pumps this time. I'll levitate going home. Talk about rerouted. Oh my. Traffic alone. We couldn't drive in the snow, but we could drive in the rain, unlike up here in Northern Virginia. You didn't hit that. And many of us, we get rerouted and we get unhappy. God leading Israel out of Egypt into promise. And they just yak, 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 yak. Why have you brought us out here? There's no food. There's no water. We're out here to die. I remember that good onion soup that we used to have down there in Egypt. I mean, back. God finally said, okay, fine, have some snakes. So he sent snakes. Said, bit a number of them and they died. There were a lot of snakes. Moses prayed. The plague was lifted, built a bronze snake. People that got bit could look at the thing and they got healed and it was just weird. But you see, for you and I, maybe it's not natural snakes. But you and I are self-poisoning ourselves through the same discontentment, the same grumbling, the same disillusionment of saying, God, I really don't like this path. I don't like this rerouting that's going on in my life right now. And yet God is saying, would you trust me enough that I know where you're going? And believe it or not, it may not agree with your calendar and your plans, but it really is the most efficient way to get you from this place to that place and in the meantime, conform you to my image while it's happening. That's the type of efficiency that our God has. Amen? What have I said today? If you're here today, you're in one or maybe all three of these places. God is rewriting some things around your life. But I believe the real admonition from God today is to take the plans that you've written and submit them back to him. Just give them to him. Because his plans are better than yours. Much better. We need to be rewired. We're too small. Our thinking is small. It's wrong many times. And God is wanting to just make us bigger so that we can be the conduits of his spirit and his power 
that will have the effect on this world that he intends. And then finally, rerouted. It's never how we thought it was going to be. It's taking longer. I can't believe there's another detour here. You've got to be kidding. And yet God knows exactly what he's doing. Pray with me.